Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I want to first say a very hearty congratulations to my podcast co-host and associate in practice, Dr. Millicent Ravello, who is here with me right now. How are you doing, Dr. I'm I'm doing great. How are you? You are now. I'm, I'm doing great, but I, I think you are doing really great because you are now a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. That is correct. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, it's been a long time coming. And basically what it means, if you've ever looked up a doctor or gone on a website or looked at someone's name and it says so-and-so MD F-A-C-S after it. That means that they are a doctor and they are also a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, F-A-C-S. And that's just a fancy way of saying that they are a member and they have been inducted into this College of Surgeons. Which means a lot. Which means a lot. To become a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, first you have to become a guy. To be a fellow. No, I'm just kidding. You have to uh, first. No, you have to. Uh, you have to submit your application, which includes case lists, includes all of your boards. You have to be board certified, right? So that so this is the main thing. It, it's really it's a way of certifying who is legit and in practice. Because in order to be a part of this, you have to have completed successfully a full residency in a surgery specialty. So this could be any surgery specialty. It could be. ENT, it could be orthopedics, it could be plastics, general surgery, a surgery specialty. You have successfully completed your board certification in that specialty, and you've accumulated a certain number of cases out of training that you then submit to the college. They go through that whole application, they check off all their boxes, make sure you are who you say you are, that you've done all of your required training, and then you still have to get recommendations from your colleagues, and you have to go through an interview process where they you know, approve you or don't approve you. Your colleagues also have to be FACS. And your they have to be fellows mm-hmm. of the college as well. Right. Which is why I was able to recommend you. Yes. Thank which, you. Uh, Thank you for you recommending me. <laughs> I was happy to recommend you. Um, I think people don't understand it. They see the letters and they think it must be a big deal because to have an MD and then some stuff after it probably means a lot. Right. Uh, It does. What this means is that you've basically been vetted by the American College of Surgeons, and that is not something to take lightly. It means that your cases were looked at, that the chief of surgery at your hospital recommended you. There's a lot that goes into it, and it is not... A, a small credential and it's actually really hard to get a lot of people don't even try to get it because they know that they're not going to get confirmed um, there's a lot of fake letters that people put after their names which I don't want to single out any you know organizations that are not legit that try to mimic what we yeah. do they add some extra A's for yeah, instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they add some extra <laughs> C's for instance but they try to make it look as though they've had the same sort of vetting process, but nothing is quite like being in the American College of Surgeons. So congratulations to you. Thank you. And it is a long time coming because you've been in surgery now for many years. Many years. Um, I couldn't do it right after my first uh, board credentialing, which was for general surgery, because I was still in the process of doing my plastics, which is what I do. And so you kind of have to stop training at some point. <laughs> you trained for a very long time. <laughs> and then actually practice for a little while before you can get it. Yeah, you you trained for a dog's age. I did train. Yeah. You did. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then you also have now been in practice for quite some time. So 
lots of experience for the amazing Dr. Ravello. Congratulations. Thank you. Let's talk about nipples. In a complete <laughs> segue. <laughs> non- <laughs> why not? As our as your inaugural podcast as a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, nipples are important. Nipples are huge. And the the reconstruction and the things that we can do aesthetically because you, you do a lot of breast reconstruction right it is national breast cancer awareness month as it well. is yeah we got a lot to cover in this podcast this got, it just got really long <laughs> and and difficult so maybe we're going to split it up into a couple but the nipple reconstruction is not nothing and that's when there you do nipple reconstruction for your breast cancer patients who have completely lost their nipples yeah. from uh, from cancer, from cancer, from cancer surgery, cancer yeah. surgery. Some people take them off even as a prophylactic measure, which is very uh, common now in the BRCA one and two kind of populations. Um, some leave the nipples at that. Mm-hmm. What's your What's your feeling about leaving the nipples if you're having a BRCA one positive situation? In other words, there there's a strong family history, right. high likelihood you're going to have breast cancer going to have your breast removed prior to any cancer even being found do you leave the nipples absolutely absolutely a thousand percent that is the one of the benefits of doing a prophylactic mastectomy in these patients so prophylactic means you're treating something before it's even started so we know they have a gene deficiency that puts them at a high risk for breast cancer so a lot of these patients this is the angelina jolie disease or surgery just go on to have their breasts removed because they don't want to have to deal with having cancer in the future and all the treatments that requires so in that situation this is the best time to get the best aesthetic reconstruction possible because you're not treating cancer. You're just removing the breast for non-cancer reasons. And if you're going to a fellowship trained breast surgeon who's done training in nipple sparing techniques, they should be able to remove all of the breast tissue that they need to prevent you from having cancer in the future while still leaving the nipple behind. I agree. The The hardest part of that is to reconstruct the nipple because when you do have to take it, let's say that it's a, yeah. for an introductal carcinoma, it's very hard to make really nice looking nipples. Right. And, and sometimes you have to take it. Sometimes you don't. But if you do have to take the, we call it the nipple areolar complex, so the nipple plus the colored part around it. Um, It can be reconstructed, and we do it on a regular basis, but it's never going to look the same as a natural nipple areolar complex. So in the prophylactic patients, if they don't have perfect nipple position, maybe they have a little bit of ptosis, which is descent of the nipple, that's a great person to do a staged mastopexy or breast lift in because they don't have cancer. We have a little bit of time. So I can do a breast lift get their nipples in the right position, kind of create a perfect breast shape. Then three, six months later, they go on to have their mastectomy. Their nipples are in a perfect position. I can put an implant in and they're done. Do you know about nipple banking? Is is anybody still doing that? I've read about it. I have not seen anybody do it. (laughs) Remind me to tell you a very strange story about nipple banking that is inappropriate for the Mm. podcast. It is very weird. (laughs) Something that happened in Pittsburgh and it was kind of of odd. Say no more. Yeah, I'll tell you about (laughs) it later. What about cosmetic nipple surgery? Since we're on the, the topic of nipple reconstruction, a lot of people want their nipples reduced. 
Mm-hmm. They're too big. They're too big. So sometimes nipples can be too big. They can be too long. Um, that's a fairly simple procedure, actually. In fact, it's part of what we do for nipple reconstruction. If you have one overly large nipple on a normal breast and your other mastectomy breast needs a nipple, you can do what's called the nipple sharing procedure, which is almost exactly what it sounds like. We don't exactly just cut the nipple off. There's a little bit of, you know, some folding and some morgami that we do to the nipple that's left behind. But basically, you, you can sort of take half the nipple if it's a long project a nipple and, and give it to the other side. Um, so that being said, there's no reason that you can't shorten both sides and throw it away if you don't need it. Right. Cause some people don't want the, you know, the large size on the nipples. They just think like it's too much it's or whatever. Too much. So you can, you can reduce it in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's deep projection, which you can do if you think you have like these, you know, constantly right. nipples showing through the, uh, through the t-shirt. Which, by the way, I've done for a lot of men, too. <laughs> there are men that have, like, these long nipples. They're like, dude, like, this is not good. And like, I got it. I got it. We'll take care of it. That's pretty simple. Yeah. But for women, they um, they typically want to retain function. So the way yeah. that you can do it is take out tissue from the outside and leave the, the, the ducts. ducts all come centrally. So you can, when you know, they come up through the breast and out to the nipple. So you can leave the ductal tissue. Right. And the ducts themselves alone and reduce the the height of the nipple. It's a really cool technique, works well. Um, What about areolar reduction? Because some people, you know, just have way too much. large areolas. Yeah, they're just big. They're like the, the just this giant, it takes like, it's almost takes over the breast. The whole breast, yeah. Some of them, it's like half the size of the breast, yeah, Yeah. if not more. Um, That's a little bit tricky one. And usually it's very patient dependent because in general, if you have large areolas, you probably have a little bit of ptosis or breast sagging and would benefit from a lift as well, which would by definition include a reduction in the size of your areola. The True. patient that has a perfectly positioned nipple areolar complex and just has very large areolas is a little bit trickier to deal with because if you reduce that areola and make it smaller, you're by definition of what you're doing, going to have to lift it as well. And then you sort of get into a, a quandary of putting it too high. That's very rare. No, I, yeah, it, it is. But if you're doing it circumareolar, you know, a circumareolar incision and you take the same amount from below as you do above, it usually doesn't yeah. cause an issue, but it could. Unless they're really, if they're they're really large. Very, if right. they, well, if they have large areolas or very small breasts, yeah. you know, the, the balance has got to be right. there. You know, this stuff is very artsy-fartsy, and uh, and to do it really requires a lot of thought and a lot of vision for the result, and that's where, you know, you just see, you know, every single case is so different, and you can't sit there and say, oh, I do this all the time. Yeah. If you do, then you're you're no. not a thinking plastic surgeon, and I, and I really, I, I just see a lot of problems with nipples, for sure. I mean, they just, they get treat they you know they have misshapen after uh after a reduction and you know do you, and how do, how about your uh revision reduction surgery do you ever have to change the shape of the areolas oh, yeah. i mean All what the are time. the things that you see so in with any breast uh surgery whether it's reduction or mastopexy anytime you're making incisions around the nipple areolar complex you are setting the nipple areolar complex up for misshapenness so it could be either (laughs) kind of asymmetric it can be enlarged and 
we end up having to revise it a, a lot, usually for you know re-reductions or redoing the lifts. And the reason for this is because the colored part of the nipple, the actual areola, is a thinner skin than the remainder of the breast skin. So anytime you make a cut around it and sew it back together, no matter how tight or how small you make it, it's going to stretch. It's by yes, it by is. definition and nature of the tissue of the areolar complex, it is going to stretch. And it doesn't always stretch symmetrically. So one, maybe I usually find it's the the inner upper part tends to stretch a little bit more, have some problems with scarring. So it's not uncommon to have to revise these for any given procedure. Yep. That is very true. <laughs> I can, I can tell you that revision breast surgery, the, the aerial and the, uh, and the nipple position is like a humongous part of getting it right. Humongous part of it. But then the other thing too, that I have to even remind myself sometimes is that even a natural nipple areolar complex is very rarely symmetric. Right. It's it's oblong. It's obliquely oriented. Totally. It's not perfectly circular or symmetric. It's less noticeable because it, it doesn't have a scar around it and it's blending into the skin. But if you ever look at it, if you look at enough areolas, none of them are perfect circles and no. none of them are equal. <laughs> Definitely so. not. But once you've operated, then, then the surgical intervention is what's caused the problem. Right. People don't see that they're asymmetric before. Yeah. As I always say, breasts are sisters. They are not twins. Right. They aren't twins because they can't be. Breasts are different. They're, they, you want them to look like they belong together. You don't want, you know, you don't want it to be like a redheaded stepchild or something like that. Right. No offense to the redheaded stepchildren <laughs> out there, but the, you know, you want it to be that there's a, you know, that there's some continuity of what these breasts should they should go together. They right. should look like they were on born on the same person. Yeah, it's tricky. The, the the nipples that's not to be taken lightly, um, and they don't that's always not. scar. They don't always scar well. Those scars around them, um, even though th- that skin is stretchy, they don't always scar great, and you're left with some hypertrophic scarring that you have to treat. Um, so it's the, the the yeah, the nipples can be tricky. Well, I think we've covered it on the nipple stuff. Inverted nipples. Oh. Was that what we wanted to talk about that, in the first was, place? That was what we started talk, or thought about talking about. <laughs> we talked about nipples that were too large. We talked about large areolas. So let's talk about the nipples that are too small. Totally. Well, not even that they're too small. They're, they're just going in the wrong they're direction. They're going in the wrong. So nipples are supposed to project out. <laughs> um, they don't stay out, typically. They're supposed to kind of come in, and then they come out when they're cold or when stimulated. Um, but sometimes, whether you're born with it, or maybe you've had a surgery, or for whatever reason, the nipples don't come out they retract they retract and there are different grades or degrees of this the most severe would be an inverted nipple that you can't even manually evert you try you know you you try and bring it out with your hands the tool with the device and it's just scarred in and it won't come out then there are others that are everted at baseline but with manual pulling on them you can get them to come out to length those are the ones that do best with surgery yes um, if you try and do a surgery for a nipple that is just scarred and stuck down and can't even be manually averted, it's not going to be successful. Yeah, the uh, inverted nipples is a is a great operation. By the it's way, you great. can really fix it. You really can. If if you if when you are you know playing with your nipples and you can actually get them to come out, then you are a candidate for someone 
or you are a candidate for this surgery because surgically we can get them to stay out. That yeah, it's done through. Uh, there's several different techniques. Um, they're sort of the reverse of the of the reduction. Of the reduction, basically, they, are. they, they really basically are. are. I mean, it's basically you're just, instead of trying to make them smaller, you're trying to yeah. make them bigger. Yeah. So you want to. That's like the nature of plastic surgery: a little bigger, a little smaller. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, it, and it works. So um, yeah, the inverted nipple surgery is is a big deal, and and uh, you know I got to put some of those on my website because I have a few of them that look really great yeah they're good it's really good and it's a small procedure i mean i still do it in the surgery suite i don't i don't care to do it under local um but it's a small incision at the base of the nipple not all the way around just a little bit um and then we put some sutures through it you'll have a funny looking dressing on for a week to keep that nipple out put a little medicine cup over the nipple and tie some sutures through it um, so you, yeah, it's not very. And that's easy to explain at the beach. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have medicine cups on your nipples? Don't worry about it. But after a week, those come off, and and then you're fine. And it's not particularly painful. It's just the first week you'll have an awkward dressing on, so you might not want to go out in public. But when it works, it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's a good operation to have. People really they like it a lot when yeah. they get it done. It's like oh, I've had these inverted nipples, right. and now all of a sudden it's like. Because that's the thing with with the nipples, and I see this in my breast cancer patients all the time, having a nipple areolar complex on the breast that you like, that you want, that's where you want it, it really is the icing on the cake for whatever you're doing, whether it's the end of your reconstruction process or whether it's just something that's always bothered you. The nipple is the focal part of the breast, and having it right makes a huge difference. You can, oh, stop thinking about this, you know? Yeah, it completes the look. Yeah. You know, it's like when it's not right, it's not right. Right. And, you know, it's bothersome. So so get your nipples fixed. <laughs> We're here for you. Give us a call. Uh, you can certainly direct message us through the uh, Instagram or through our website. We had, uh, in fact, we just had a patient who said that there, our little podcast helped them through their uh, breast augmentation surgery in uh, Texas. Was, I know it's very not nice. even by us. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, you all telling us how how uh, you it helps a, you or what a you y'all learn. in there in in respect to our Texas patient. Yeah, well, you know, I spent a lot of time in the <laughs> South. I did. Uh, did, I, did I throw that in there? You I didn't totally even, did. Well, maybe because I just said Texas, and it just seemed like I should say y'all. Yeah, but I. Uh, well, I went to Vanderbilt. You know, like we y'all our way through that thing. You know, that's. You, <laughs> You don't y'all so much at Cornell in med school. No, no. In the in the middle of Manhattan, up there it's used guys. You know, used guys. Yeah. In Louisiana, it's where you at? Uh, oh, really? Where you at? Where you at? <laughs> where you at? In uh, Pittsburgh, it's Yins. Huh. Yins gone downtown in that. Oh, how That's, funny! Uh, which means, are you going downtown later today? Maybe. <laughs> the everything's in at so. Uh, all right. Well, let's. I think we've covered nipples now. We're good. <laughs> and a spectrum of other covered. discussions. <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations to Dr. Ravello, fellow of the American College of Surgeons. And this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you directly from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. 
Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty, and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.